the following podcast contains strong language and discussions surrounding drugs and mental health. Listener discretion is advised. Is yours like a UK voice? Nope, nope, nope. It's American. It's um, the same thing. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, oh God, for AOL, I know you had someone different, but we had Joanna Lumley when mm-hmm. AOL was big over here. So it's like, you yeah. have email. <laughs> Yeah, ours was a, you got mail, was ours, yeah. Right, uh, let us kick us off in five, four. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I'll meet everyone from nuclear engineers to voice actors and talk about their life, their work, and what they're passionate about. My guest today is the Josh Frost, and he is a self-expressionist artist from Florida, and he's been creating hip-hop music and other art since 2005. He's been involved in various different musical groups and projects, a YouTube review show and podcast called The Freezer, which totaled almost 20,000 views, numbers that I can barely even reach today. Uh, He's known for live streaming and production, but he's best known for his singles, I Wish I Was Dead, and a subsequent remix by The Virus and The Antidote. And also a collaboration song, Dead Kids, with underground artist Kamayada Plus. He's also employed by iHeartMedia, who's the largest radio company in the United States, doing soundboard work for live shows and promotional events. And he's continuing to independently release hip-hop music, uh, live stream gaming, and album reviews on Twitch, and is the current host of the Garage Gang podcast. The Josh Frost, welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Now I've got I've got to ask, how did you get into? Let's start with the hip hop. How did you get into hip hop? How did you get into this music? Okay, so yeah, um, I got into to music and uh, specifically hip hop mostly pretty early in my life, generally around ten uh, ish years old. Uh, my sister introduced me to. Uh, most of the music I grew up listening to. So she introduced me to a lot of uh, Eminem, of course, back in the day in the early 2000s. Everybody loved Eminem. Uh, Jay-Z, uh, I got into T.I. And um, even like some rock bands with rap influences like Linkin Park and Limp Biscuit and Corn and stuff like that. Um, so I, around that time in my life, that's kind of when I discovered like, holy shit, I just really love music um and it kind of just went from there i kind of took what she showed me and i just listened more and i heard more and the more i heard the more i realized i loved it was there like out of that list was there like a single one that really attracted you into the genre uh it kind of sucks to admit this but um in terms of like me creating music to be quite honest the group that made me think that i could create music was um the insane clown posse (laughs) um the icp so they're a group that not a lot of people like or have a whole lot of respect for but man when you're like 12 13 11 years old and you listen to icp it's a lot of fun they're very Mm -hmm. animated they're very cartoony and they have a lot of variants in their songs you know some songs are serious some songs are really funny some songs they're they have a message some songs are just talking shit Mm -hmm. um so that's when I heard that, I, w- I kind of told myself, hey, you know, I think 
I can do that. Yeah, I think I can do that. I've I, I can't say I've heard of the insane clown posse, but you've never uh, even heard of them. No, I've never heard That's of okay. them. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but I imagine you said when you found them, you're twelve, thirteen. So they kind yeah. of almost. For me and rage against the machine the kind of like okay. you can have that moment where you can almost start your rebellious phase yeah. that every teenager is known for yeah i mean especially back then in the the early 2000s that's when i grew up i'm in my late 20s now so the early 2000s there was a lot of rebellious like you know like i said like limp biscuit eminem and that kind of stuff a lot of rebellious like music that said fuck every other word and stuff yeah. like that so when you're when you're that age you're just like hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes so what about your process because something i've always wanted to know from a musician is how do you actually make a song like where do you start do you just have a brief moment of inspiration and you'll go for that or do you plan it out ahead of time what's your process okay um so it's changed and it changes with almost every song so when i was when i was starting out and when i first started to get into it i would most of the time i hear the beat first so mm -hmm. i would go online looking for beats that i like um and i would hear it and the beats the instrumentals talk to you you know what i mean like they all have a vibe they all say something in their own way music talks even without the lyrics you know what i mean so i would go around looking for beats i would hear one that i really liked or that would say something to me and i would write the song from top to bottom you know so starting from the intro and the first verse down to the outro and the last chorus you know what i mean um that's how i used to do it and it just kind of gradually evolved like i said every every song's the same some songs i'll write Honestly, sometimes I'll do bottom up. Sometimes I'll start at the end, like the, the line I want to go out on, and then I'll work upwards that way. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's an amalgamation. Um, I have songs where I've kind of used lyrics from songs that didn't quite cut it or didn't make it. Yeah. Um, I would take those lyrics and kind of rework them into this new song, and then I would kind of Frankenstein it that way. And... Yeah, it's always, uh, it, every song has its own personality and its own identity, and I think the process kind of reflects that. They're not, they're not all the same. It's, mm -hmm. it's whatever, whenever the idea hits me, um, that I do my best to try to work the idea into the song however I can. Some, I'll do, you know, one line from the beginning, one line at the end, and I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of make it the way I want that way. All right, epic. Uh, thank you for that insight, because uh, I'm tone deaf. So I would have no idea if you put me in the studio, I'd be like, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, you told us a little bit about your process there. Um, how would you pitch your music to our listeners? What would you say to get them to go check out your Spotify, go check out your SoundCloud, etc.? Man, that's a tough one because to be quite honest, I'm not super great at uh, marketing myself. Uh, that's one of my flaws, I think. But I make, um, I think I, every artist believes this, which is a good thing, but I think I make pretty unique music. I think I have a unique voice and a, and a different outlook. Um, but if you're into, uh, I don't necessarily like comparing myself to other artists, but if you're into more dark, like alternative hip hop, like let's say Bones or Suicide Boys or, uh, 
anyone in that vein, um, then I think I I might have a place in your library because I make pretty similar music when it comes to the more dark themes, especially when it comes to like the substance abuse and the uh, depression um, topics and stuff like that. I have a lot of that integrated into my music that I think a lot of people could uh, hear and maybe po potentially relate to. Yeah. I think that's also one of the goals, I think, of any musician beyond sort of becoming famous, beyond becoming Beyonce levels of, um, of, of notoriety. It's to have that way to self-express and yeah. to connect to others. Yeah. I think the self-expression, the reason why I call myself a self-expressionist is because I think that's the most important bit. Um, when you get to the, when you start becoming a Beyonce, <laughs> <laughs> um, you start, I think you lose some of that self-expression because now you're in the machine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now you have a whole record label behind you that's worried about your music. Um, not to say Beyonce doesn't have any self-expression in her music because she definitely does, but I think it loses some of that luster when you're, uh, when you have millions and millions of fans. Mm -hmm. it's like you're losing almost like you said with the luster something that's pure and real and yeah. um kind of almost there for the purpose just the sole purpose of enjoyment and expression as opposed to making however many billions of pounds right right exactly yeah all right something else i wanted to chat to you about as well uh before we go into your um music uh we've talked because uh, because in your music you've got a lot of really really heavy themes and if i was to just read some of the titles sort of i wish i was dead i miss doing drugs yeah i could definitely see that there is there is a theme in there yeah. um so i'm going to guess you have been really influenced by events that have happened either to you or around you for sure i mean uh you gotta be when you're when you're making your own music and you're making your own art you you have no choice but to be influenced by the things that happen around you yeah um and i don't really want to go into like the whole like i don't think i have the the saddest you know drug abusing story i don't think i have the worst life of all time or anything but my music is something that you know, if I have concerns about the way I'm living my life or the things I've been doing, then those concerns are definitely going to pop up in my music. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, I have no choice. If that's what's on my mind and that's what I'm thinking about and that's, what's, um, that's what I'm passionate about, I guess, in a way, um, then I have to put it in the music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I totally Otherwise, agree. it's inauthentic. Yeah. You've, you've got to just take those experiences, pour it all in, and almost be honest with yourself, be honest with your audience, and say, this yeah. is what I am seeing, this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah, for sure. That's the beautiful thing about art, is that you, uh, for me, I envision my art like I'm, I'm pretty much only talking to myself. I almost never have my, the audience in mind. My songs are pretty much written to myself. So the my most inner thoughts and the thoughts I probably couldn't express to, you know, people around me, um, I put in the music. Yeah. And I think a lot of people relate to music as well. They're kind of, um, it's the same with kind of media. And we'll talk a little bit about media later on. Yeah. You can almost point to something, whether you read it in a book, see it in, on TV or hear it in a song. And you could say to someone, this is the exact emotion. This is the exact experience that I am feeling. 
Yes, exactly. Um, that's the beautiful thing about music, too, is that it's universal. Yeah. Um, even, you know, if you can't understand the language, like I said, music talks. Yeah. So if I hear <laughs> a K-pop song or something that strikes me a particular way, even if I can't understand the lyrics, I will still feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I listen to a lot of instrumental music. So like that is in, in, in a weird way, it's like a universal language that connects us. Absolutely. All. Absolutely. Let's jump into some of your music now. Um, thank you for letting me play some of these on the podcast. Uh, sure. Really, really, really appreciate this. Uh, Absolutely. We're going to kick off with, I think, what's considered your signature song. Um, I wish I was uh, dead. I'm going to play it a little bit in the background. Okay. Do you want to tell me a little bit about where this song came from and why you wrote it? Sure. Um, um, so I... It's actually hard for me to uh, kind of remember the exact details of that one because that was actually in a point of my life where I was I was doing a lot of substance abuse, so my memory yeah. may be a little faulty. But um, that was a song I got from uh, the person who made the beat, my boy Wave God. Shouts out to him. Hope he's doing well. Um, that was a song I, I I the beat I listened to and I really liked it. I liked the animation. And one thing in my music that I like to do is I like to have like a, a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. So with that beat, it's pretty, uh, it's kind of silly. It's got like the Super Smash Brothers samples and it's got like the, the chick moaning in the background. And it's kind of, not, it's not a sad beat, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I wanted to take that and I wanted to flip it into something that could potentially be dark or could potentially be more... Uh, have some kind of theme or something. Um, so that's kind of what I did. And uh, I come from being a writer. Uh, when I was really young, I wrote stories and poems and stuff. So mm. I tend to write almost like in a narrative way. And I th- you can definitely see that in I Wish I Was Dead because the whole song is basically a narrative. It's kind of crazy and it's kind of silly, but um, I wanted to make a song like that showed the substance abuse that I was potentially going through and show how much fun it could potentially be. Um, Fun in like a crazy, like, you know, trashy almost kind of way. Um, And then flip it at the end. That's why I end the song like that. Like, who the fuck am I kidding? I wish I was dead. So no matter how much fun or how much crazy party stuff I was doing at the end of the day, that that was the outro of the song you know what i mean yeah and like we genuinely need artists like yourself to talk about substance abuse to talk about these topics because it's so easy to just throw them under a taboo and just say that no we can't talk about this we can't talk about that we're now in the victorian ages right Um, but yeah i hope that this song and i hope someone that listens to this podcast will pick up on this song and get something from it i hope so too um I think it it's fun. Whenever I, I uh, show it to people in my real life, I elicit a lot of you know smiles and laughs, and that's mostly what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I have some heavy themes, uh, I do tend to try to make my music fun in a way. Yeah, yeah, and like like you said there, you 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 sampled Super Mario into it. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 like, can you do that? Is that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> 
I just lo- I just love the dichotomy there. I like the the upbeat mixed with the downtrodden, you know. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like if you look at Super Mario as well, and if you deconstruct it, he's like eating mushrooms to grow bigger. Right. Uh, see? Like... <laughs> he's got his own problems <laughs> that he needs to deal with. <laughs> now, something I wanted to chat to you about as well is you then uh, remixed. Um, I wish I was dead a little bit later on. I'm gonna play that in a, in a oh. brief second. And you almost, and you have to forgive my tone deafness, but you almost sort of changed its meaning in a way, perhaps, because we went from having Super Mario to yeah. having these, um, this, this brass in it. You've got the trumpets and you've got the horns that are playing yeah. kind of in the background. Uh, so what inspired this? Where did this come from? Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, pretty much that whole remix was handled by uh, The Virus and The Antidote, which is a production... Um, guy a mm-hmm. beat maker that i really like i love his work he does a lot of work with uh Kamiyata plus who's on one of my songs and uh some other artists I've, I've worked with and talked to um just really crazy producer has so much talent i can't believe he's not like super crazy famous or anything um but i uh i was kind of at that time i was kind of in a lull where i wasn't uh releasing a whole lot of music so i was like well what's something i can do let's remix a song and he was someone i really uh was interested in and someone i respected a lot so i sent him a message i was like hey would you be interested in remixing this song for me and i sent it over to him and uh he pretty much sent me almost pretty much that entire remix the way it is on streaming services now and he was like well what do you think and my thoughts were pretty much exactly what you, what your thoughts are now like wow you you changed the vibe and you kind of yeah. changed the meaning almost you gave it a, a different uh, dimension and i just thought that was fucking brilliant yeah <laughs> really really loved how that came out um and having having the more somber and the softer sound i think yeah it really does bring out something in the lyrics that maybe wasn't there quite in the original mm-hmm. It is interesting to see that relationship between the music and the lyrics, and how just one change adding in the um, adding in the trumpets really does change its yeah. meaning. And yeah. I think for me, I come from a military family. Uh, my father <laughs> was in the army in the RAF, and those horns kind of connect back to and remind me. And we didn't have the best relationship, but remind me of yeah. my father. And because the military is surrounded by brass instruments. For sure, yeah. and it does bring back certain sort of sad emotions, and I think that's yeah, also yeah. what you're kind of going for, and what um, what what the first and the antidote was going for. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's not like again, that's not like if I think if you just played that instrumental, I don't think that's a sad instrumental per se. There's definitely some. It's definitely a little more melancholy than the original, mm-hmm. but I think the the mix of the lyrics my delivery and the beat and his transitions between all of that um i think really amalgamate into something uh, different and kind of interesting yeah and then it sort of ends just there with uh he's, he's, he removes all of the layers until it's left with just you and the horn yeah that's yeah that is a great outro i've always loved that as well yeah. <laughs> especially on the ending line there i think that's super uh, pretty potent yeah um let's go for a couple more as well i've just had so much fun just going through your spotify and oh, awesome. uh yeah so literally this is all i've been doing all week 
Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass. I genuinely have. I genuinely uh-huh. love your stuff. So thank you so much for getting in touch with me. And, I appreciate uh, it, man. Coming, for sure. Coming on to this show. Um, tell me about Kamiada Plus and tell me about Dead Kids. Okay. Um, so I, uh, so with me, I don't typically have a lot of people coming up to me and saying, hey, let's, let's make some music. Generally, I'm the one who extends the olive branch. So uh, Kamiato Plus is a awesome just underground artist. Um, if any listeners are interested in like underground alternative kind of hardcore hip hop, uh, Kamiato Plus is just awesome. Um, but he was someone I had a lot again, someone I had a lot of respect for and someone I liked a whole lot. Um, so I kind of I'm, I, again I kind of messaged him, kind of extended the olive branch. I was like, hey, I have this. I had the beat at the time and I didn't have anything on it. I didn't have the hook or my verse or anything. I was like, I kind of sent him the beat. I was like, do whatever you want, do whatever you want with this. Uh, and he took a couple of days. He sent it back to me and he uh, dropped his verse and his verse was almost again, like a narrative kind of thing where he's talking about his cousin and, and stuff like that. And I took his verse and kind of crafted the song around him. Um, so that was something where I was talking more about my own personal issues with the suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the loss of his, um, family member and, uh, the idea just, you know, dead kids. <laughs> yeah. Death is a big theme in my music. And I think that was something that, uh, you know, uh, tied both verses together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to talk about death um because like our society and our culture just says no we can't talk about it this is this yeah. is something that you can only deal with on your own uh but it sounds like that shared grief kind of brought you together yeah. to make this epic song yeah i think so too um and uh I'm, i was actually kind of surprised because again like i said i don't have a lot of people reaching out to me personally but uh kamiyata did say he liked how the song turned out and he he liked being a part of it and uh, he appreciated it. So that actually meant a lot to me as a fan of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really liked that he appreciated the song and liked what I was trying to do with it. It sounds like we're going to have to get him on as well. We're going to have to get the virus and the antidote on. Uh, hey, we're yeah. just going to call him out, right? You've got to come on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Please, let's do it. Yeah, they, they need the, um, they, they deserve the exposure. They deserve the exposure. Super talented artists, those guys oh, are. Definitely, definitely. Um, also, I want to talk about uh, Demogorgon as well because hey, this song, okay. I, 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 I was, um, I was just going through that um, that sort of single you released, "Damn It All to Hell." That's the single yeah. that it's on. And something that I was reminded of is in all of your art, you use blues and blacks, really dark sort of kind of colorings, and that kind of reflects yeah. the themes in your music. Yeah. Um... I mostly began that because those are pretty much my favorite colors, uh, the blue and the black. But um, yeah, I one reason why I like to call myself an artist and not necessarily just a, a rapper or a hip hop artist is because I try to I try to connect everything that I do and I try to make it it's all me. You know mm. what I mean? So I think that aesthetic that I go for with the blues and the blacks, the highly saturated kind of um, noisy photos and stuff like that um i just really connect to and i think it uh reflects my in my music as well mm-hmm. i think if you if you see the 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 cover arts and then you listen to the music i think you can kind of make that connection in your head and like oh okay yeah 
let's um let's put on that song now, Demogorgon. Um yeah. Tell me kind of about this one and where did it come from? Um what what were your inspirations behind it? Okay. That instrumental I got from a uh a producer and a beat maker I know, um who doesn't live that far from me actually, but I've never actually met him, my boy Christian. Um but I heard that beat. I'm such a sucker for uh pianos man i'm such a sucker uh i have a lot of piano themed um stuff in my music i just really like it a whole lot yeah um so i heard that little piano riff and um the demogorgon is actually not a uh, it's not a stranger things reference it's actually a, a dungeons and dragons reference there is a uh a demon god or whatever in Dungeons and Dragons called Demogorgon. Yeah. And I've always thought that was a dope ass word and name. So I kind of wanted to integrate that into the music. Um, and that was just kind of another song where I was, um, I was trying, kind of trying to go over the top with the dark themes. And I was kind of trying to, uh, maybe say some things I wouldn't normally say. Yeah. Um, and it, it just kind of, uh, that one was a quick one. Um, it generally, I'm kind of, takes me a long time to write, honestly, because I do a lot of editing. I do a lot of going back and saying, nah, that sucks. Like, let's change this. Let's do that. But Demogorgon was something I wrote pretty quickly in like maybe like an hour or two. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't, um, yeah, because I always assume with music, like it could take, and what one thing I love about this show is it's blowing everything that I presumed out of the water. Like mm-hmm. I always assume that every song had to take 15 months require mm. <laughs> eighty-seven thousand different people 400 contracts etc etc um but you mentioned dungeons and dragons uh kind of there we'll come back to that in a minute because sure. i'm so happy you have said those words <laughs> uh, as 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 the four fans of this podcast will know i am a huge dnd nerd Okay. Uh, so I'm <laughs> Me too, man. so Me too. so happy. We we talk about that in a little bit after we talked about um after we talked about your podcast. Um but let's move over to the last song I want to talk about in this in this section. And that's uh, your latest song, I Miss Doing Drugs. I'm going to make an assumption based on that title, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let you sort of tell me tell me about that song and tell me where it came from. Sure. Um so uh, that song was actually written pretty quickly, but it was actually written quite a while ago, maybe a year or two ago. I, um, a couple years ago, I, I got some help <laughs> with yeah. some issues I was having. Um, and I went on this, you know, sobriety kick where I wasn't doing anything or in terms of like substances, I uh, wasn't drinking, wasn't smoking weed, wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, and that was... <laughs> Uh, you know that was just something i felt at the time i i miss doing drugs mm-hmm. um and that song is it's almost like a throwback to i wish i was dead because it is kind of written in that narrative structure where i'm kind of going off and doing crazy you know party stuff you know having sex and doing drinking a lot and doing drugs and stuff mm-hmm. um but I, ch- I try to flip it and almost make it like past tense. Like I miss doing that stuff, even if it's not good for me. I I uh, wish I still did it in a way. Yeah. Um, and since then, I've uh, you know I'm not as down bad as I was a couple years ago. So I can you know I I drink a little bit still and I smoke weed and stuff. But yeah. uh, 
when it comes to me doing like crazy drugs and stuff like that um yeah that song is just something i wanted to make to uh attach to my brand and say you know even i can change <laughs> even yeah. i can you know stop doing something if it's you know too bad for me yeah and i think that's a message that we really should get out to everyone that it's it doesn't matter how far down a certain path you are there is always yeah. a way to turn off the highway um, yeah. or, or or leave the motorway or something and i'm so glad you were able to get the support that you needed thank you man. Um, during that and I, I honestly hope that telling your story will also help um out others now i gotta I ask you too. yeah um i gotta ask you something how important during that process were your friends oh i mean absolutely crazy important like i i really couldn't have done it without the support of people around me mm -hmm. um and not to say that i don't like to say that i couldn't do it by myself because you know there are some people out there who may not be as lucky as me who may not yeah. have people around them that care uh or are worried about you or the path you're going down um not everybody has that unfortunately so even though my friends did help a lot, don't get me wrong, I like to think that within me and within anybody else who is ha are having these issues, like you have the power mm -hmm. to, to course correct. You yeah. have, everybody I think has that, um, the strength to, to change if they really like, you gotta put your mind to it and you really gotta buckle down and say, hey, like something has to change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that being said, I also, one more thing about, I miss doing drugs is I don't, uh, I try not, I try to be pretty conscious of being, uh, preachy yeah. or, or corny. <laughs> um, so I didn't want to make a song like, uh, let's take Eminem's not afraid. For example. Um, I didn't want to make a preachy song that says like, yeah, I stopped doing drugs and I'm this, I'm so much of a better person and I'm so much clear, more clear headed. And yeah, I didn't want to preach it that way. I wanted to put it out there and say, Hey, you know, even if I did stop doing these things and I stopped doing other things that were bad for me, I still miss it. Yeah. You know, I think it's normal to miss stuff like that. If you have to stop doing drugs or drinking, um, it's totally normal and it's totally believable yeah. and expected almost yeah. to to miss it. You know, you want to do that. You did it for a reason because you wanted to do it. And now that you can't do it or you don't want to, you know, fuck up your life, well then it's totally okay to have those feelings of missing it and still wanting to do it. Yeah. As long as you have some self control. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that is definitely missing in a lot of media and especially a lot, lot of music because, like you said, uh, with, with, with Eminem, it's sort of the narrative that we're expected to say is, oh, I am now completely free and I am living this whole new life and you can have an almost sort of like legally blonde kind of montage right, or, yeah. or, or whatever. But realistically, um, it still was a big part of your life and anything yeah. that's included in your life will influence what you experience, what you feel, and what your actions are. Absolutely. For sure. Now tell me about Jordan, Marcus and Sohan and your podcast. Hey, best friends in the world, man. Let me tell you. Um, but that, uh, the garage gang podcast. Um, so 
that one's that's kind of interesting because in our friend group so there's the four of us we're best friends we all pretty much live together um me and marcus are the creative types mm-hmm. you know i do everything i do marcus uh does a lot of video editing and he's into like other podcasts and stuff as well. Um, so we're the creative types, but yeah. that, that podcast was actually Shohan and Jordan's idea. Shohan and Jordan are very uh, logical numbers oriented people. They don't usually have a lot of um, creative ideas like that. Uh, but they came to me and Marcus with that idea and we were all kind of on board and we started to do it. And I think, um, We've been friends for so long uh, that I think the the chemistry with us is kind of natural, mm-hmm. and we kind of want to just make a laid back, you know, shoot the shit kind of podcast. And I think we're, uh, I think we're decent. Going to, you know, I think we're doing a decent job. Oh, I definitely um, say that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, I subscribe to it immediately. Um, hey. <laughs> as soon as I um, like, like as soon as I, I found the link, and you, you're absolutely right because most podcasts, and I'm going to just slander the entire industry now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's all I've been doing today, just slandering every industry we talk about. It's okay, um, I'm cool with slander. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> most podcasts, particularly those that go for the interviewee type, kind of like put on an act and we all we all wear masks don't we yeah um but like it's always turned up to be sort of um almost marketable if you will but it was great to listen to the garrett's gang podcast because i generally felt like i was listening to a group of friends who invited me round to chat and to drink a couple of beers with and um and whatnot is it true you're filming it in a garage or you're recording it in a garage? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a running joke. We we record it in the <laughs> the living room of the place we live at. Um, we do the the garage thing because uh, that's where we hung out, and that's where kind of our friendship formed was uh, just hanging out in Shohan's garage, uh, just drinking, smoking, shooting the shit. Um, so that's that's where that comes from. Uh, we don't uh, we don't even have a garage right now. If I'm being totally honest with you. Ah, fair enough. So it's more the living room podcast, but uh... yeah, <laughs> that's not as that doesn't have the the zing we're looking for, you know. And there's something like sort of, and forgive me for letting my let my let my let my mind wander. I don't want to use the word romantic because that's the wrong word. But there's sort of something that fits into that that sort of stereotype we have from the uk and this is quite a positive one um that we look at american media and we see people going around to each other's houses sort of like chilling in the chilling in the garage and there is something really comforting about that <laughs> it's it's yeah man it always kind of was comforting in a way because i mean you're I liked that we were still like in his house technically, but we had the garage door open and we can, you know, look out. There was like, you know, st- the trees and the nature and stuff. We can look out and see while we're drinking and shooting this shit. Um, and it's kind of a uh, intimate in a way. Yeah. Not in a, you know, a romantic or a sexual way, of course, but more like a there was a a closeness and a connection that I think we all felt. um to each other and that's i think part of the reason why we became such good friends and why we have this chemistry now Mm -hmm. yeah friends uh friends are important not just for like looking after each other and being there um but also for playing D. &D. 
There you go. There we are. I, I smoothest transition I've ever done, and I ruined it by highlighting it's a smooth transition. <laughs> We're both huge fans of D and D. When did you get started? Ooh. Um. So I'll go. Uh, we got some time. I'll I'll just go as way back go as it. possible. So my first, just straight up, any kind of introduction to D and D was uh, I played Baldur's Gate. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when I was a kid, I played Baldur's Gate with my cousins, um, and they had to teach me. That was second edition, advanced D and D, way back in the day. So my cousins had to teach me. Like these are the rules. Like it doesn't function like a regular video game. You know, it functions like a D and D game. So you know, these are the rules. Every time you hit something, you got to roll, and you know, you got to pick your evil, your your alignments, and stuff like that. So that was my very first introduction to just like what is D and D. And then the first time I actually got a group and picked up some books and actually played the game, I was probably like eighteen, in seventeen, eighteen, somewhere around there. And that was just with a, a girlfriend, a friend, and his girlfriend, and like his little brother or something like that. And that was fourth edition D&D at the time. And mm-hmm. we uh, just played and learned. And I've pretty much played mostly nonstop since then. Yeah. And I think something that artists and D&D players have in common is we both use our music and our, our our games as a way to express ourselves yeah and almost as a way to start creating art absolutely um another thing why i call myself a, a self-expressionist is because i um you know not everything i express about myself i put out to the public you know not yeah. everything i do is on streaming services and i consider my DMing and the world, my setting that I've created over years, a decade or more, um, that's part of my creation and that's part of the way I've expressed myself. And D&D is super interesting because uh, you get to watch people's live reaction <laughs> to yeah. what you've created and what they're creating with what you've created. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the world and I have the characters and I have the story. But I'm just giving it to the players and saying, hey, do something with this. Yeah. And they they bring it back to me and they have their own stories and their own creation that they add to it. And I think it comes together in something that's uh, quite beautiful in a way. Yeah. And I genuinely believe like D&D, like other kind of music, it's truly a collaborative experience. For sure. Um, like very few musicians work entirely on their own. Yeah. Uh, there will always be someone else kind of involved in collaborating with, like with yourself with the fires and the antidote or yeah. uh plus uh yeah. you've kind of got that collaborative um sort of experience with your friends playing D, going through the shared world together yeah how much can you tell me about the world you've created okay um so my world has been pretty um it's of course not finished it's a world you know yeah. so it's never finished um but i uh they're pretty much on, uh, they've been on one continent this whole time. And I have, uh, I was a big World of Warcraft player in my early teens. So I've almost um, set my my world up in a similar way where there are zones. Yeah. And every zone has its own kind of thing going on. Like in this zone, there might be a kingdom that's at war with some rebels or at war with a separate kingdom. 
But if you go across the way and you go to a different zone, well, maybe there's some different problems going on. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's devils coming out of the forest or maybe there's goblins that are attacking the villages or something. So I try to make all the zones, quote unquote, have their own kind of stories playing out um, as opposed to uh, a lot of DMs have like the overarching narrative uh, that goes across the whole thing. I tend to uh, separate the narratives into wherever the PCs happen to be at the time. Yeah, that's, that's entirely fair. I'm, I'm the opposite. I tend to go for that over um, yeah. hanging narrative. And the Nothing world wrong I, with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the one that I found works for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of using my own version of a setting called Midgard that was published by Kerbal Press. Um, okay. Totally, they should come on this podcast too. Uh, I'm just literally going to use this episode to get guests. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in that, we've kind of got um, sort of this dichotomy between kind of these areas that are inspired by sort of Egyptian and uh, Northern African culture, which is incredibly rich, in which every single person has access to some kind of cantrip at the very least to just help with their... Uh, to help with their everyday job. Like, for instance, someone working in some kind of restaurant or cafe or tavern uh, might have presentation to help them clean up because it yeah. makes easier or maybe some kind of nerfed version of, of, of Unseen Servant. Yeah. Um, and then we move up to the top, which, and I made this before certain events happened in Europe, um, in which a country... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> invaded by an occupying force of intelligent undead ghouls mm-hmm. and zombies and mm-hmm. vampires um there totally isn't a correlation between real right, world no. events <laughs> <laughs> not one that you did on purpose anyway yeah, i exactly. get you <laughs> yeah yeah if you're listening mr putin uh that, that but if the shoe fits <laughs> you know <laughs> and so i've got i've got i've kind of got that setting and i think what I absolutely love about D&D is it's, and the same thing that happens with hip hop music and any kind of music in general, is that we can meet sort of as kind of complete strangers, which we, we, we are at the start of this. And I hope, we, I hope we, we, we stay in touch and become friends after this. Yeah. Um, we can share our experiences and we can share our creations and we can almost tell our story in kind of a different way to say, I've just met you, Joss. Here's my story as shown in my art or my music. Joss, you've just yeah. met me. Here's what I've been through. Have a listen to my music. Yeah. And that's, um, that is a, cra- a crazy thing about the internet. I mean, I, I, I think I'm old enough to where young people would probably call me a boomer now, but um, <laughs> I grew up with the internet too. Um, and it's, yeah, man, like I, I was, like I said, I, I play World of Warcraft back in the day. I still have, people in my life that I met on that game yeah. that I still talk to to this day. They're my friends. Yeah. Um, I, you know, people on Xbox Live or, or now these days, you know, Reddit or Twitter. Um, it's just, a, you know, connecting with people, especially people, you know, across the ocean um, and learning their stories, learning what they're into, learning what they like and um, how they express themselves and how they go about doing their business. It's just super interesting to me. Um, and as someone from Florida, uh, some of the people I meet in real life aren't, <laughs> aren't necessarily people that I, I want to learn about. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to, uh, you know, just go online and meet people and see what they're all about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I won't bring up the Florida man 
very own type. <laughs> no, I, 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 I can't talk. I, I grew up in Lincolnshire, and Lincolnshire is very much the Florida of <laughs> the UK. Uh, <laughs> all right, where can uh, our listeners find you online? What's your social media links? Okay, so pretty much any social media. Um, I'm always at the Josh Frost, T H E Josh Frost, all one word. Um, and from there, you can find my uh, Twitter is probably the easiest thing for me because that's the one I check most often. Um, yeah. But I'm on pretty much everything. I have the Instagram, I got the TikTok, I got pretty much everything you need. So um, just you can Google the Josh Frost and you'll definitely find something of me. Yeah, uh, definitely. All right. Uh, to close us out, I finish every episode with uh, the questionnaire. Uh, they okay. originally come from the Prost questionnaire, then later adapted by Bernard Pivot, and then later by James Lipton. And now okay. I, ta- I present my Wish.com ant- um, adaptation to yourself. Okay. What is your favorite word? Favorite word? Ooh. Um, I mean, it's, there's a bunch I, I would think about. I just like the sound of words, you know, I just, some words just sound really cool. But in terms of my favorite, I mean, it's gotta be fuck, right? Yeah. Like, it's just gotta be. I, (laughs) it's probably, (laughs) probably one of the words I use the most and it's so expressive, you know, I don't care if it's a a swear word or not. It's just, you can express so many things, so many feelings with that word. And also, um, my, my, I have German heritage, so that's a, that's a, that's a, german word as far as i can understand back in the day so maybe that's why i like it too yeah it, it, it like you said it is it's super versatile like uh we could say fuck it fuck this fuck that right. fuck you fuck me fuck <laughs> them um like this podcast started because i said ah fuck it and just went ahead there you um, go See? yeah that's it all right <laughs> all you gotta say sometimes yeah that's all you gotta say fuck it is the most powerful word uh in existence what is your least favorite word? Hmm. Um, probably, I really dislike fart. I really mm-hmm. hate the word fart or armpit. One of those two is, I just, even saying it right now, it makes me feel Ugh. not so great. Yeah. Don't like those words at all. <laughs> what engages you? Um, I go through phases a lot. My interests kind of uh, go through peaks and valleys. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, history love learning about history um i can sometimes i'll just sit at my computer and watch uh history videos and related videos just for all all freaking day i just love history and i love um i love hearing the stories of people that i'm interested in um i don't read a lot but most of what i do read is usually like biographies um of people i'm super interested in i've read like talked about Eminem a couple times. I've read Eminem's biography. I read uh, Will Smith's biography uh, recently, which is actually pretty insightful and pretty interesting. I recommend it if you're a, a Will Smith fan at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, history and I guess individual's history is something that uh, super engages me and something I'm interested in a lot. Epic. Do you know where this interest in, in biographies and, and history came from? That it's that i'm not sure um it's kind of hard to pinpoint um i it was just something like in school i didn't do super great in school i actually ended up dropping out and getting a ged um i'm not 
sure if they have that in the UK or not. Uh, but, the closest um... we kind of have are GCSEs. Um, and yeah, this, most schools in this country will bend over backwards to make you leave with at least one. There you go. <laughs> but um, I wasn't super great in school. So I, uh, history was one of the few classes that I found myself you know, really paying attention and really being interested. I was often, you know, pretty much in every other class, I was always sitting in the back sleeping. Uh, but, you know, during those social studies, history classes, even like geography and stuff like that, uh, I was always sitting in the front. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair dues. And I think our school systems, both in both of our countries, are like, if you're not traditionally academic, we're not yeah. going to be there. Absolutely. Support. But that I think, could probably be a, a podcast in and of itself. Oh, easily, easily. And yeah. like, there's so many different kinds of intelligence, emotional intelligence, uh, in addition to just traditional kind of academic yeah. um, intelligence. All right. What disengages you? The, man, the usage of the word engage and disengage. I, I, like, I like what you're doing there. <laughs> um, what disengages me? Uh, something being inauthentic, I think, disengages yeah. me. If I'm reading or watching or listening to something or somebody and you i think authenticity is something people can sense really well like mm. i don't think you need a lot of information about something to sense the authenticity yeah um so if i can if i hear something that i deem inauthentic then my my interest just immediately goes away because i feel like i'm almost like I'm being lied to, you know what yeah. I mean? And as soon as I feel that, you just, you lose me because I don't, yeah. I don't like lying. I don't like dishonesty. So if I sense that, then I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. And you kind of almost feel kind of like, what is your ulterior motive? Right. Well? Yeah, exactly. Why are you being inauthentic? Like what, yeah. what are you trying to get out of me or get out of whatever it is you're talking about? It's probably money. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Ah, uh, you know what? It's, I just started this new job, and uh, I work around a lot of bubble wrap. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm kind of. <laughs> whenever I get a couple moments to myself, I'll I'll be popping the bubble wrap. I like the pops of the bubble wrap. My inner ADHD is like yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> What sound or noise do you hate? Um, I really dislike uh, um, Amy Schumer anytime she says something or <laughs> does something. Really dislike that, so I don't like the sound of her voice. I don't know. Who, like, I think I know. I, I've heard the name, but I don't know. She's a very. Um, She's a comedian. She's quite a well-known comedian. Um, using you know the term comedian in a pretty loose <laughs> way, uh, but she's very famously not very good. Um, and there's a lot of controversies with her, like stealing jokes and stuff like that. Um, just someone I've uh, grown to have a distaste for, and I d I dislike the um <laughs> the uh yeah the way she talks. But um, if that's a if that's a cop out answer and you don't like it too much, I'll give you a, another one. I dislike, uh, um, even though I do it myself, of course. Uh, burping, really dislike burping. Yeah, it's kind of kind of gross. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Anything just bodily functions, just ew. Right. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? 
Well, um, we kind of hey, already man, answered I mean, it a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's question seven. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? I like all swear words. Um, fuck, I think, is the most versatile one and the one I say the most, but I love the reactions I get. Um, in the UK, it might not be so bad, but here in the States, it's a little bit worse. The word cunt. Uh, I oh, yeah, always get a reaction. Yeah, we use it liberally over here. Um, yeah. Anytime <laughs> on a Saturday night someone's out drinking, you will hear the C word um, just thrown about. Uh, <laughs> even when I meet my friends, I will still privately refer to them as my cunts or my bitches. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of the things I think I love about swear words is they're so versatile. And they are. You can use them with love. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. You can say, you know, my bitches or something like that. And that has an endearing quality to it. Yeah. Um, I always, I like the reactions I get uh, when I say the word cunt, though, because you don't hear it too often. It's only like the, here, it's like mostly, only like the most potty-mouthed people will say that word. Yeah. Um, and I, I like being that person. Yeah, there is a certain fun to it. It is. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? I think I would be decent at being like an A&R, someone for some kind of record label or company that would scout talent. Mm -hmm. I think I could potentially do a good job at that because I listen to a lot of music and I listen to a lot of music that most people have never heard. Uh, so I, and I like discovering new things, you know what I mean? I like discovering new artists specifically. So if I, were to be in that position where I could be an A&R and basically be a talent scouter and that be my job, just looking out for new talent and new people to potentially become successful artists, um, I feel like that would be pretty satisfying for me. Yeah. What profession would you not like to do? I'm going to be a little biased here because I just left the, uh, the restaurant industry after working in the restaurant industry for pretty much over a decade. Um, I really do not ever want to go into another restaurant ever again i um, think it's yeah just are, not fun just not fun at yeah, all yeah uh there are hundreds of listeners <laughs> look at me pretending i've got hundreds of listeners um there are there are listeners there's probably one listener out there who's just like yes totally agree. yeah man and if you're in the if you're in the restaurant biz listen i know uh the money's the money's pretty good for what it is but it's just not worth it man yeah just yeah. not worth the 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 weighing on your soul, you know what I mean? It just kills you inside. Yeah. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be, and who would that person be? Oh, fuck, man. Um, hmm. Um, does it have to be realistic, per se? Uh, wherever your imagination takes you. Okay. Um, if I could, I don't know if this is selfish or not, but if I could, I'd like to tell my younger self um don't be so hard on yourself man you know like just take everything in stride uh do what makes you happy and don't if you think you're in a bad situation uh don't just don't stress about it man just keep doing your thing just live your life try to be as happy as possible and don't uh don't let little things kill you you know what i yeah. mean yeah epic and i hope our listeners sort of take that on board as well yeah um remind us where can we find you online um you can pretty much google the josh frost all one word um and you'll find something of me um i have the twitter which i'm most actful or uh i'm most on frequently 
um, again, at the Josh Frost, and there you can find my link tree to my podcast or my music. Um, I'm on all major streaming platforms. If you like dark alternative hip hop, uh, again, you can just search the Josh Frost, all one word, and uh, you'll find you'll find me. You'll find yeah. me. Epic. Uh, Josh Frost, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and um, to our listeners as well. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our social media, meet more people on, oh, meet interesting people on TikTok. Uh, Tom meets interesting people on Instagram. And at some point, I will get Facebook and Twitter set up as well. I'll sure. edit that in. <laughs> thank you so much. Hey, thank you, man. I really do appreciate it. You have just listened to an episode of Tom Meets Interesting People. If you like the show and you would like to take part, or you think you know somebody who would make a great guest, please email me at tommeetinterestingpeople at gmail.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Guests may provide audio content that helps to demonstrate their work. Guests have given permission for this work to be played via the use of a release form which they have signed. It is the understanding of this podcast that the material they provide does not infringe on the copyright of others. All other rights reserved. Copyright 2022.